LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for his glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and Mike and Sam are both on the line this morning. How are you guys? You know, I'm at I'm actually at home. This is one of the first times, maybe the first time I've ever recorded a podcast at home. Hmm. Um, usually it's in my office or something like that. Um, and my two sons are still here, three and two. So, so we're, for, we're expecting something. For our listeners... Anything could happen. And I'm also, I just also realized that the seat that I sit in mm-hmm. is um, my wife likes antique chairs. Right. Um, so I don't know why, but she does. So if you hear a lot of creaking, it's not my bones. It's mm. uh, it's the chair. Yeah. What room are you in specifically, like an office? I'm in my bedroom okay. um, looking out into my backyard my... because everybody cares. My wife, you know, she is just recently launched a podcast called uh, Women's Leadership Network at the table. And so if you know any people that might be interested in such a topic, listen to it. She likes to record in our closet. She uh, sets everything up in there because with all the clothes hanging, it's pretty much a soundproof room. And, oh, uh, it's I had pretty good. about that. And yeah. by the way, nice plug for your wife there. I know, right? Work well done. that in. Well done. <laughs> Shameless. Micah, how are you today, dude? I'm good, man. The uh, at Brainerd, we are all the staff is here in shorts and t-shirts today, and uh, the windows are open, and we're doing a spring cleaning day. We got three big dumpsters, and we're cleaning out closets and stairwells, and trying to get the church uh, all the all the excess stuff. We found a TV that is five years older than me. Nice. So turned out. Is it a turn? Is it like a? Does it turn? Does it have a UHF setting? It does. Oh, it man. Turn does it dial work? And a UHF setting. I do not know if it works. Put that thing on eBay, man. You probably get $200 mm. for it. So we, uh, yeah. So, and, and just for some fun, we had all the staff try and wear their um, most obscure sort of enjoyable t-shirts. And so we're going to give a little prize to the, the staff member that oh, that's had a great the most idea. obscure one. Yeah. So my favorite so far is Carlos, who is our Eastridge campus pastor, our Spanish speaking campus. And he mm-hmm. has a t-shirt that says dad bod on fleek. And uh, so <laughs> that's by far my favorite so far. That's so that's, that's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. It's um, I bet that's a lot of white chicken legs running around your office right now. <laughs> and that's and, and that's enough about me. So, but other than that. <laughs> ministers in shorts, it's not a good thing. So we're gonna we got a topic today that um, I think a lot of people deal with. You know, oh well. Everybody deals with it. I was going to say, yeah. I'm pretty sure they all deal with it. Death and taxes. Death and taxes. Death We're talking taxes. about funerals. Yes. So um, I've got kind of a funny story. The very first funeral, I don't know if it's funny. It's just relatable, I guess. The very first funeral I did, um, I was a youth minister at the First Baptist Church in town, and the funeral home called over. They had a funeral and didn't have a minister, and they needed somebody to run over there, you know. And so uh, our pastor was busy. So he said, do you want to go do it? And I said, sure, I guess. Had like an hour. 
Never done one of these before. Never been trained to do one of them. Wait a minute. You got an hour's notice? Yeah, pretty much an hour. Whoa. And so um, I went over, preached this. It was a graveside, um, but I preached it, cried like a baby. I I never met this person. I was snotting all over the place because (laughs) I just thought it was so sad. (laughs) So I still do that. Every funeral I do, I cry quite a bit because I just think it's so sad, especially if the if the widow will kiss the forehead or something like that, it just, it breaks me apart. So they were speaking like, of, uh, speaking of widows kissing forehead, Sam, you've got a, we, there's a fantastic story. Your dad has told about something along <laughs> oh, listen, those lines. <laughs> listen, do share, do share. Please I, share all that you need. To, okay. So I, I can't tell the story the way dad tells it. That's true. You can't. Um, so that. what you need to do is just Google Tom Rainer kissing the corpse I have no yes. idea what that. I have no idea what that will return in terms of search results. Oh yes, but, please do it. But it was my dad's first funeral, and I just I don't want to spoil the story. So, they need to go listen to him. They do for sure need to go listen to him tell that. He's, he's got a podcast where he tells the story. He yeah. does, but I, you know he pod, you know he produces a podcast every three minutes, so I have right. no well, idea true. which one it is. That's true. But, but yeah, and in the uh, and in the two minutes between the podcast, he writes a book and drops two blog posts. <laughs> Uh, we, were, we were talking recently, and he's got three books coming out uh, this wow. year. Of course he is. So, yeah. He, I'm and I'm like, going to read them all. It's like Elmer Towns. Mm-hmm. He's he's also recently retired from Lifeway, and, you know, we do this. Uh, we do Revitalize Network and Church Answers together, and he's driving me crazy because he doesn't have the, you know, the distraction of Lifeway anymore, and it's not really a distraction. He really enjoyed it, but... Um, mm. You know, he's all full steam ahead in his own stuff. And, sure. Um, all His whole team's going nuts because, you know, he works 18 hours a day. So Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. But yeah, it, Tom Rainer it, kissing the corpse. You got to go check it out. So yeah, for our listeners, pause listen. the show right now. Get on Twitter and tell us your funny uh, funeral story or tell us about your first funeral story and then jump back on and listen to the rest of the show. Yeah, so uh, hit us up on Twitter or something. Uh, Twitter or Facebook. We'd love to hear your stories. We really do read all of them, laugh, comment, share them back and forth to one another. We love it. So. Thanks for uh, participating in that. So we, we need to talk about a little bit of the the pro tips of doing funerals. So let's talk first just if you've never done one before, are there some things to watch out for, things not to do? You got any helpful hints on that stuff? Yeah, always talk to the family um, ahead of time. Um, don't ever walk into a funeral not – you know, if you have the if you have the chance, Josh, you didn't have the chance with your first one, but Mm-mm. make sure you're in regular communication with the family. Um, that that's step one. I and what do you do? Think. What do you ask at that? For those who don't know, I, I just do more listening. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I mean, I get my right. ideas for my funeral just from listening to them. I just you know you know tell me about whoever it was and you know what you love about them. I mean, just basic questions like that. You know what I like to do. Um, and I think this is a, a tip to take is I ask if they're Christians, if they're, you know, faithful in a church or something like that, I ask for their Bible, if I can see their Bible. And a lot of times mm-hmm. they love showing me their Bible. Then I flip yeah. through it and I will use one of the verses that's underlined or highlighted or something like that as the text and say, you know, this is something that at some point meant something to them and I want to share. And so it's almost like I'm sharing something that I'm I'm assuming meant something to them because they underlined it. And sometimes it's really easy because they've got it underlined, little notes on the side and these quotes in the front and, you know, those sort of things are always real helpful. And so just something. I even use yeah. the Bible to preach the sermon. Yeah. And I was going to say, you know, often as pastors, we kind of talk about weddings and funerals all in the same sort of, we lump weddings and funerals together. 
and I, and I get sort of why we do that. I, I I would think of them in different categories. I'm not a I don't love doing weddings. They they take a lot of time and. Yes. Uh, and generally, nobody listens too well to what the pastor says. In fact, I, I like to tell people the only time anybody remembers the pastor at a wedding is if you blew it and messed up somehow. Otherwise, <laughs> nobody remembers anything the pastor says at a wedding. Funeral, on the other hand, is a, a tremendous opportunity for you to care for people. And especially if you have the opportunity to, to do a funeral for someone who is not a believer or not connected to your church. In fact, for probably the first seven years of me being a pastor, I did more funerals for non-believers who were not part of our church than I did for believers who were at our church. And and I'll tell you, so I think sometimes we struggle with the idea of how do you do a funeral for someone who's not a believer? I don't think it's that difficult. I, I What I do in those instances, I try and create a pretty strong distinction between the eulogy and then the sermon. And I'll say something, you know, the eulogy is where I'll just tell stories about them and, you know, try and laugh and let everybody cry and we'll talk about them. But then when it comes to the time to do the sermon, if it's a non-believer, all I'll say about them for the most part is I'll say, look, you know, we're, we're sad, we've lost them. But our question is, how do we find hope? What does the Bible tell us about how to have hope? And then I run to the gospel. Now, um, nobody I've, done a funeral for has ever put two and two together and said, well, wait a minute, they didn't believe that. So what are you saying about them? And I realize there's that risk. I mean, there's always going to be that temptation. Right. But uh, I mean, the, the worst thing you could do at a funeral for a non-believer or someone you don't know is assign them toward to heaven or hell either way um, without you knowing them very well. And so what I try and do is just provide a dichotomy, a distinction between the eulogy where we tell about them and we tell their stories and then the sermon where I run to the gospel. And usually what I'll do is I'll use a passage like from first Peter, all flesh is like grass, the flowers fade, you know, the word of the Lord stands forever. And I'll talk about how the reality is we're all going to have to face this, but the word gives us hope. And so here's what the word says about how to have hope. And, uh, and, and a, a, a funeral for a believer or someone who's a part of your church, radically different thing. I love my favorite text to use as a funeral sermon for a believer is precious in the eyes of the Lord or the death of his saints. Mm-hmm. And I, I call it precious death. And I walk through why we view the death of a believer differently, you know, and, and run through that. But I think one of the things that would really help, especially young pastors out there is to have a few funeral sermons written mm-hmm. uh, for believers, non-believers, have them just written and on a file. I do that. And then if I get a phone call and it's someone I don't know, I can pull that up. I can edit it and change it to fit them, but I've already got it basically structurally ready. Yeah, I do the, I do the same thing. I kind of have a, a, a template funeral, if you will, for, you know, just, hey, so-and-so passed the funerals in two days or whatever. Um, it's good to kind of have those ready. And you want to personalize it, of course. But, um, you know, the, the time that it takes to write a funeral, I mean, it, it can be as much as a sermon. <clears throat> Maybe not quite as what you would, quite, quite as much time as on Sunday morning. But if you really want to give time to the family and honor the family, I mean, you do have to put a little effort into it. So it's good to kind of have some, like, a framework to start with. Yeah. Um, what is your go-to text, Sam? My, said, uh, I go to the Psalms. Peter. I mean, all over the Psalms. Yeah. I, I tend to preach more more in the Psalms for for funerals, only because the Psalms are emotive. They capture the emotions of their po- their poetry, so they capture the emotions of people. Um, you know, there's laments, there's um, victorious Psalms. I mean, there's you it, you know name the emotion and what people may be going through, and it's in the book. Of, you know, it's in Psalms, so th- that's, right. that's where I end up. Um, obviously, the texts in John that refer to resurrection are all, uh, v- very important as well. 
um, and the life, the eternal life that Jesus gives. I, I'm like Mike. I always run to the gospel um, mm-hmm. every every single time. You know, people are on uh, they're extra sensitive, um, maybe o- more open um, to a gospel response uh, at a funeral. Um, I don't I don't know that that's the case, but that's kind of what I feel is that people tend to be more open. Um, the other thing that I would say is, you know, one thing I learned is in certain every community is different. So I've pastored in a few communities. Everyone has these quote unquote, particularly smaller towns, have these quote or individual churches have these quote unquote traditions, mm. the, the way that funerals are done, and they're all different. You know, every town is different, every funeral home is different, every church is different, but everyone thinks that that's the way that it is done. So right. if you can talk to somebody who knows what that code is so that you can crack the code, mm-hmm. um, that that's always a good thing too because, you know, in some communities, a graveside service is a completely different thing than another community. Right. And, and you know, I, and there's certain regions where funerals tend to happen at night as opposed to during the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, down here in Florida, we don't really have where we are in Florida, we don't have cemeteries. And, you know, if you have them, they're very expensive. So most people are cremated. And we have memorial services. And sometimes because of the way the snowbird effect works, a memorial service may be a month or two months after a person passes. Wow. Um, so, you know, every community is different. You, if you're new to a community or if you haven't done many funerals in a community, you definitely need to crack that code. Talk to another pastor. Talk to a funeral right. director. Talk to somebody who knows Even- just to just to get yourself set up for success there. Even using words like wake or the viewing, those sort of things, just depends right. on your region and what the common vernacular is and what people are talking about. I find that um, one of the most helpful things for me was when I came into uh, my first pastorate, the, most of the funerals, you know, they're done, you know, mostly the, the older folks in the church are passing, of course, and um, they are requesting a previous pastor to do their funeral. I've talked to young pastors who don't like this. They feel insulted in some way. And I always say, that's not a bad thing. Did you want to do it anyways? And they're like, no. And I said, then then let them do it. Like, it's not a it's not a huge problem. And I've even had people say, is it okay? They, they liked brother so-and-so or something like that. They, you know, they were saved or married by so-and-so. And I'm like, no, I mean, I think that's awesome. I always have a part. Sometimes I'll do the prayer or I'll read the obituary or sometimes I just you know, stand up in the front and, you know, shake hands and stuff like that and just be there, be a presence and show that I'm not insulted by this. But what happened in doing that, because I went to several funerals that I did the first, I don't know, 20 funerals, I didn't preach, but I was a part of each service. And that helped me do what you're talking about there, Sam, is crack that code. I just kind of learned how culturally what's expected, what's expected of the minister, I always show deference and respect towards the previous pastors of the church I'm pastoring and, and just kind of sit by them and respect them and help them in a lot of ways, especially if it's in our church, you know, um, church sanctuary, you know, using the sound and those sort of things, helping out in all of those ways, I think is a, a real key to cracking that. Also showing, you know, the friends, so those um, those senior adults that are in the service there, they're seeing me interact with a pastor that they deeply respect and they've usually respect. Um, so I think there's a lot of ways that you can minister, as Micah said, um, not only, you know, to to all the other people that are affected by this funeral and really show support and love for the family and the, the friends. Yeah, don't yeah. be offended at all. If you're, you know, if you're at a church and there was a 30, I mean, Brother Bob was at West Bradenton for 29 years, uh, 
two, uh, two, uh, he wasn't, uh, I didn't follow him. There was one in between us. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of our senior saints ask for brother Bob to do the funeral and then they'll have me like read scripture or something like that. I am not the least bit offended. I mean, he's the guy that, you know, they grew up with him there, you know, he baptized their kids. He, um, you know, he was there at tough times. He helped, you know, he did the funeral for their parents. Well, of course they're going to ask him. Right. Um, you know, that he married them. Of course they're going to ask him. And you should not be offended at all because the same thing will be happening to you. It's just 30 years down the road. Um, and But you need to be there. Absolutely. You need to show your support. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, if you've got a previous pastor that's kind of a, a figure, if you will, and still in the community, even if they're at your, not at your church or not, one great way to build a, build a bridge to that previous pastor, particularly if he's well-loved, is um is just to be there at the funerals and the weddings and mm-hmm. just be a supportive presence and you 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 know your people will eat that up they will be glad to see that you know the two pastors that they love are you know working together and, and getting along so yeah if, you know the the worst reaction is to get offended you you definitely don't want to get offended yeah i if i could yeah i agree with both of you i i absolutely don't get offended and i i don't understand i mean I think those who get offended have got to really take a step back and ask the question whether or not they're dealing with insecurity. I think that's mm. what they're really dealing yeah, with. I think it reveals insecurity and a fear. Um, and, and I think it's illogical, to be honest with you. I mean, there's really no good conclusion that can come from a pastor getting upset about another pastor doing the funeral, especially a former pastor. I mean, I can't think of a single positive benefit of doing that. You can't force people to love you. You can't force people to respect you. And so telling a former pastor no is only going to widen the gap between Mm -hmm. people and you. It's not going to help at all. And so I think it absolutely, I I don't get offended at all. And it makes logical sense to me as well. I think Sam's right. I mean, you look back and they've been loved by this person for a long time. Okay, well, I'm going to, I mean, that's, that's, it's ridiculous for me to try and say, well, you shouldn't love him that way. You should love Mm -hmm. me that way, which is ultimately what you're saying. You're saying you should love me that way. I think what people feel, uh, if we're honest, is that some of these folks have caused me problems. Some of these folks are standing in the way of the change that I'm trying to implement, which is sometimes natural. And they wanted to go back to the way it was with this pastor. And so this act of having him uh, preach the service makes it feel like an offense to us. And so what I always say is it's not offensive to you. And when you're involved in that service, you're showing that you're, you know, you're actually following what you feel God is leading. You're not doing this out of selfish motivations or those sort of things. But um, just, you know, suck it up and be the bigger person and and go. And but I do have a funny story about this. This is um, something that I experienced that I want to share with everybody because it's kind of funny. But before I do, I want to tell everybody about Woo Marriage. If you've served in church leadership, which I know all of our listeners are leaders in the church, then they know how tough marriage ministry can be. There's never enough time to help every couple. There's not enough resources to go around, and we don't often feel marriage experts. We're not that way. That's why we want to tell you about Woo Marriage. That's W-O-O, a brand new tool from Lifeway that provides Christ-centered marriage coaching for every couple in your church. It's simple. It's online, something you should check out, and they're giving away a free month. So if you go and you go to uh, woomarriage.com slash free trial, type in the offer code leadership, you'll get a free month there. So go check that out. Hope that helps you. Is it woo or is it woo? Woo! I don't know. Because every time you said woo, I just I was trying to be good while you, while we did our <laughs> while we did our advertisement. So I, I really just wanted to go 
Woo! Yeah, Every time you should you next that. time. Then nobody will forget if you do that. And doesn't isn't I don't I don't know wrestling, but isn't I'm gonna probably get myself in trouble here. Ric Flair doesn't he do that? That doesn't he do that thing? I believe that's correct. I can't help but think of especially when you're talking about marriage, though. I can't help but think of being in downtown Nashville and all the bachelorette parties, the woo girls downtown, you know, where they're all running around town, woo, screaming woo, woo everywhere they go. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> and so I when you put that, when prince. you think about it as a bachelorette party, and this is a, a marriage thing, I just anyway. <laughs> yeah, Mike, I don't think that's what Lifeway was. I don't intended. think it is. I'm just saying it's in Nashville. It's I used to work there and drive down Broadway, and that's what you would hear <laughs> all day that, long. Yeah, I I'm just not real sure where it came from, so we'll just have to ask <laughs> at some point, or maybe it's on the website. Okay, here's my story. Um, people will relate to this. Uh, we had one of these situations, previous pastor, and I didn't see eye to eye on things, but there was never anything public. We're at a funeral, and um, and he came from the back, so he wasn't kind of mingling amongst all the other folks. He was back in the green room getting ready or whatever. I don't know what people do in green rooms, but he was. And I was out there, and so I just sat down, and the place was packed. But at one point in the middle of the service, he says something to the effect of... Um, you know, Sister So-and-so was a member of this certain church, and uh, I think it's a real shame that her pastor's not even here during her service. And I'm I'm sitting right there, um, just kind of in the middle, and it was very awkward. I didn't know what to do, how to respond. The young lady that was sitting next to me was already emotional about the service. She was emotional about a number of things. And uh, she hollers out in the middle of the service, He's sitting right here and points at me, right? <laughs> she puts her hand up in the air, and then she points down at me, and I'm sitting there. So uh, this previous pastor says, Josh? And I said, yes, sir. <laughs> this is all in the middle of a funeral. Oh, my word. I said, yes, sir. He says, Josh is here? And I said, yes, sir. And he says, I didn't see you. And I said, obviously. And that was, <laughs> that was the only thing that, so he, you know, like stuttered through the next couple of things. And um, we had a little exchange when I went up to, you know, go past the body, um, the, the casket there. And he's standing there to shake hands. And I shook his hand and we had a little exchange and walked away. And uh, did you just, give him some choice words? Not choice words. Um, just told him he's never going to preach again in our town. And um, he hadn't. And so and, that was and the it, end of it that. ends up not being my two children that are the noise, but my yard guy. <laughs> so I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure you all can hear that. Oh, I can barely hear it. Okay. But anyways, so um, what are some of the? So we we talked about some pro tips, some good things ministering to folks. Anything else you guys want to add to this topic of funerals? Any other tips? The other, yeah, don't a, a lot of a lot of times when you're with believers and church members, you know, I I probably do a funeral every you know two a month maybe on average. I'm you know I'm I'm trying to think through how many, but probably two a month. A lot of times they want it to be it's kind of cliche, but a celebration of life. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid to laugh. I mean, don't be afraid to um, you know particularly if somebody if they if there's the joy of a faithful life and the joy of um, you know knowing where they are. Um, yeah, just, you know, have a – not that you celebrate like you would at a birthday party, but don't right. be afraid of a celebratory posture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with Sam. Now, I'm, I'm going to say up front, I'm not the expert on doing funerals um, in churches. I, I mean, it doesn't matter what size church I've been in. I've never done very many funerals mm-hmm. uh, in 20 years of being a pastor. I think the most funerals I've ever done in a year is maybe eight, maybe eight, something like that. And so I'm, I'm, you guys are probably much better experts at doing funerals than me. 
And it's weird because that's been true of when I was at a very small rural bivocational church at a mid-sized suburban church and now at a larger church. I just have never done very many funerals. Um, I will say this. Don't – Sam mentioned something a little bit along these lines. Don't, just don't feel like you've got to preach 40 minutes in a, in a funeral. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think short sermons are going to be your best bet in a sermon, in a funeral. Minutes. That's what I do. My average, my average funeral sermon is about in between 10 and 15 minutes. Get to the gospel. I agree with Sam. Laugh a bit. If you can help folks laugh, something funny about the person who is deceased, who – you know, everybody loves, they're all trying to remember them well. If you can help them have a good laugh or two, encourage people to cry, get to the gospel and and get out of the way. I'll tell you another thing. Um, I'm cautious. You know, often people want to get up and share their own thoughts at a funeral. Mm-hmm. And, and if they want to, that's what they're going to get to do. I often encourage them to write something out and let me share it. If possible, mm-hmm. I mean, there are times when when getting up, the family getting up and sharing can be really good. I was at a funeral about two weeks ago for someone in our church, really, really well loved man who passed away from cancer. His son shared. It was long, but it was very good. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. very, very good, and it honored him, and it was a great reflection. But they also happen to be pretty good speakers, and uh, often that's not the case. And often it's very difficult for, for people to get up. They think they have real good intentions and then they get up there and they can't get through it or they break down and it, it can be embarrassing to them. And so I often encourage them, write something out and let me read it for you. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I'm a professional. Uh, I guess I, I, I'm a, you know, in the sense that I do this a lot. a lot. Sorry, right? yeah. that sounded bad. I didn't just, mean to What you mean, what you mean is that you do a lot of radio. I, yes. I stayed at the Holiday Inn last Yes, time. that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. But I mean, I, hey. I think that can be a help. Right. My, at my grandma's funeral, this was a long time ago, probably, well, it was over 20 years ago. Um, back to the, just the laughing thing. She, she is, uh, I get my love of awkwardness from her. Um, so if it's an awkward moment and people are a little uncomfortable, I, I relish those kind of moments. Um, so at her funeral, they forgot to measure the doors for the casket, the, the way that she went out. Oh. And it was like a square peg in a round hole. They were not going to get her out the door. Whoa. Um, so they had to turn around. <laughs> And march back the other way, back through the back door. Uh, but my grandma would have absolutely loved that moment with the pallbearers oh, standing yeah. there and somebody trying to figure out how, how does this casket That's hilarious. get out. Everyone's turning and looking at them and they're like literally, the, the casket's really banging up against the door to trying to turn it certain ways. And, you know, it's wow. Just like, it's I will like, say. Wow. My grandma's in there, guys. You know, yeah. just be, be careful. Be careful. I she will, would have loved it. So don't be afraid to laugh. I have uh, another tip that has served me well is if you can, um, you know, and a lot of our listeners, you're, you're, you're a church in a small town and maybe or in a little regional thing where most people are going to use the services of a certain funeral home or something like that. And so... As soon as you find out about things, I made friends with the funeral home director, the the main person over there, the owner of the company. And um, I had a cell phone and those sort of things. Once I found out that one of our members had passed, I would immediately call him and say, hey, let me know when they're having the meeting or so-and-so. You know, this we, we began uh, planning almost immediately. And then he would let me know when they had scheduled to come in. And so I would run over there, sit down. And I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot to do, but that 15 minutes saved me a world of trouble later. And so I would go in there and help answer questions immediately about different things. Like for instance, when you're in a smaller church and you don't have necessarily a media team, it's going to be you 
and maybe the youth minister trying to figure out how to make that whatever format slideshow they did down at the funeral home or so-and-so did on their, you know, 15-year-old Mac to work on the computers that are in the church, you know, and trying to get all of that working together. So I'll step in and say, okay, here's the deal. And if we just do this or we run this way, we can, we'll help you out with that sort of stuff. So I would encourage you, if you can, if you've got that sort of relationship, if it's set up in a way to, to pursue those avenues, it'll help you out quite a bit. The other thing that I found really helpful in, and this is the same sort of conversation, and this is the same for weddings as well. People are looking for somebody to give them the answers. Like in those moments, they're sad or they're super happy with the weddings and they don't necessarily know. And so one of the phrases that I use is say, look, it's, there is no wrong way to do this. You can do it however you would like, but typically that adding that phrase, but typically mm-hmm. this is what will happen. Yeah, that's right. That helps them go. Okay. I, I mean, 99% of the time people will say, okay, let's do it that way. And that really helps you lead in that time where, you know, you're not so frustrated because this is, they're asking for 22 solos and four people. I will say something I have said, okay, so typically this is the format. There'll be one song and we'll let somebody do that. And, and then typically most people don't speak, you know, or they'll write it down so that I can say answering that will let people really kind of feel like, okay, good. I'm doing it the quote unquote right way, but I'm always very careful to say, we can do whatever you want. It is your remembrance. It's your wedding, you know, those sort of things. But that's really helpful in kind of keeping the control of the situation and helping them not get stressed out about doing it the quote unquote right way. So just a little thing to help you out, help you not stress. That's what EST is all about. Mm, that's exactly right. We love old churches. We yeah, love we old do. churches. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that's all the time we have for today, unless you guys have anything else to throw in all of that. No, not in the next 30 seconds. And that's about all we got. So, so I want to just have remi- to save it till next time. Remind everybody about Robbie Galaxy, Chris Swain's uh, Making Disciples podcast. It's one of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network shows. So go listen to them wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks, of course, for listening to us. We'll see you later. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening. EST is proud to be a part of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network.